I'll tell you what, this church is like my pillow. No. I was gonna use some other I was gonna use some other examples, but I figured that one would get your attention. I'll tell you what, uh, there's no place like uh, being in the family, and this family particularly. You know, the brethren are awesome all over the world, but it's always nice to be home. It's always comfortable, and I'm so thankful. And now, even more so, that we have some you know, men that have proved themselves over the many years uh, to uh, be committed to building the body of Christ. I'm so thankful for Brian and Jeff and Kurt. You know, I was thinking that uh, now that we have two evangelists, uh, you know, maybe I should start planting churches all over Oregon. What do you think? Oregon really needs to help. And so, uh, not that I would not be here, but uh, just be thoughtful about other places that need the Lord. And so, uh, you know, this church has been a light on the hill for however many years? It's been been 100 plus years. And so, uh, it's exciting to see where we have been, and it's exciting to see uh, where we are going. And so I'm so thankful to be a part of this wonderful family. And uh, we need to remember that each one of us is equally important in the context of the body of Christ, but to fulfill our responsibilities within that family. And so I'm thankful for that as well. So this is really cool. These uh, words of encouragement today are really fantastic. To the Finneman family, the big smiles, the troops who came to clean the building this last week. Thank you. There you go. Let's go over to the Finneman family. I'll tell you, when they bring the troops out, it really is uh, like a little army. It's great. So thank you very much. Jeff Sharon, I am thankful you are a skilled and conscientious servant in the fellowship at Pleasant Hill Church family. And I can see your handiwork outside, and I know what it's going to produce. And I'd also say thank you, Ken, for being his uh, sidekick. It's awesome. You guys are down here consistently, so I sure do appreciate that. Brian, I so appreciate the man God has called you to be from your mother's womb. He called you to change the world through the great and glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. Keep living it and preaching it. There you go. All right, Jeff Sharon. Hey, you're a rock star this morning, Jeff. Jeff. Sharon, uh, Jeff Sharon, thank you for all your hard work on the box. <laughs> really, we're sealing up the box a little bit better, right? It's going to look good. Jeff, Jeffy, our own Jeffy. It is evident. Now, I just add Jeffy in there so we know we're distinction. We have Jeff Sharon and Jeffy. So here we go. It is evident that God has called you and empowered you to be a great teacher of God's word. Thank you for working to build the body of Christ here at the Pleasant Hill over the many, many years. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. All right. Jake, that was awesome! Your first time speaking in front was a, was a great home run. Proud of you, my son. Now you know who wrote that one. There you go. Okay. Angie F., you have a very contagious smile. I could say amen to that one. I love how optimistic you are. You are so nice to be around. And I can say amen to those as well. So there you go. Give it up for Angie. Right there. Woohoo! Uh-oh. Another rock star in the house. Angie, you bring so much positivity to our assembly. It isn't here, but it's because of your smile. Uh, 
You must have the you must have the gift of encouragement. How many of you guys have been up here and you're preaching or singing or something and you look and you catch your eyes and she's got this big beaming smile? I'm telling you what, that is encouraging. It really is. It's kind of scary because you kind of wonder if you got a piece of spinach on your tooth <laughs> or something like that. It's like, oh, I don't know. All right, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, faith, faith, I am so thankful for you and the way you think and express yourself in spiritual discussions. Amen. There we go. Okay. So I, I just love it when family gets together and starts sharing uh, those kinds of things. It's very, very good and powerful. And so a couple of announcements before we get started. Uh, Monday night, uh, we are going to be meeting uh, this coming Monday night tomorrow at the Compton Place. We're going to continue to work on Atomic Habits. And again, I am just in awe how this guy, not being a Christian, is, has identified biblical principles and has communicated them so clearly. Now, I do warn you that this guy is definitely not a Christian, and some of the things he says are like, uh, but unfortunately, we see in the world, habits can be bad habits too. And so he identifies uh, some things that are not such good habits. But the reality is we form our lives and they become automatic with habits, but you can have the habits of righteousness and the habits of sin. All, all he talks about is how habits are developed and how you can change your habits. Powerful tool. And so we're going to be meeting once again tomorrow night. So bring your books and uh, we'll have dinner. Uh, my lovely bride will be cooking dinner for everybody, so it'll be great. Wednesday, uh, God and Government series continues. And it will be at the Compton House. I came to find out last week. Uh, it'll be at the Compton House. Uh, <laughs> surprise! So we'll be at the Compton's House uh, uh, this coming Wednesday as well, throughout the week of June. And then Thursday, Lady Study is going on. And let me uh, let me uh, inter uh, remind you that men's camp this year is going to be phenomenal in a whole bunch of different ways. Okay? First of all, we got some folks coming in that are not only going to help build the body from a preaching teaching but we got some guys coming in they're going to help do some special things in the building and they have a skill set in the building jeff not outside so you're you're, you're rocking it outside okay and so uh, for those of you who are in video land here it is and it's august 5th 6th and 7th so thursday evening will start friday all day and then saturday will finish up in the morning and I'm building it this year, so we have a lot more time of downtime, fellowship time. I got really inspired what I saw in Badlands camp. They had a couple sermons a day rather than, you know, a couple, you know, several sermons all at once. So uh, it's going to be a great time, men getting together and having good fellowship. And so I'm hoping that you can make it. So any other announcements I might have missed? All right. Well, let's grab our Bibles. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to sing happy birthday to myself. By the way, I asked, I asked him if he would remember me on my birthday. He's got mountain ops. That sounds like me. Anyway, How old are you now? How old am I now? I was told I was 49 by somebody. That's a lie. I know. I didn't say it. I just said, that sounds good. 63. 63. You look great for 63. I know. I'm rocking it at 63. Let's sing it, bro. But by the grace of God. Yes, I'll sing it. We need to hear for another 20, so. Two more years. 
fishing and all that for free. Is that right? Oh, yeah. All right. Called a pioneer. I'm sticking around for a long time. <laughs> we hope so. Yeah. Right. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. God bless you. Happy birthday to you. You know, I went hiking yesterday, went about five miles, and man, I'll tell you what, 63. Five miles felt more like 12. So anyway, but I'm here, and I'm excited to be here, and I'm, I'm pretty, pretty limber. All right. First Corinthians chapter 13, a passage of scripture you know very, very well, but we're going to laser point one particular phrase to lead out in this new section of the foundation for perseverance, the foundation for perseverance. We're going we're to look at one particular phrase that's going to help us to understand the third pillar of the foundation for perseverance. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, will begin there in verse 1. Powerful passage of scripture that has so much to teach us. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... But do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Now love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. And the first phrase in verse 8, love never fails. Uh, brethren, this morning's lesson's title is Love Endures All Things. That word endure, by the way, is the word perseveres through all things. And we're going to define that once again and see how powerful uh, love is in equipping us to persevere in the most difficult of times. Remember, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we're going to illustrate initially, briefly, how Jesus shows us that love is what empowers us to persevere. Now let's look at the next verse there. It, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. It's a passage of scripture about the love of God. And it's a very powerful passage of scripture. So in 1 John in chapter 4, beginning there in verse 8. Many of you are familiar with this passage. 1 John Chapter 4, beginning there in verse 8. We're going to read verse 8, 9, and 10. And listen very carefully to the, the love of God and the power of the love of God in this scripture. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him, through Jesus Christ, we might live. 
In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now there's a huge message in that statement. He's, he is the propitiation for our sins. That's actually love motivated to make a sacrifice for those who could not help themselves. And we're going to look at that today. So with that, let's pray really quickly. Father, thank you for the blessing of the hour. I pray, Father, that we would look through the scriptures this morning to find some things that are important to lay the foundation for love as one of the three uh, foundation stones for our perseverance in this life. And so help us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Show us that, we pray. Amen. So if you look over here, many years ago, we decided that we needed to change our mindset. And the, the first law of momentum in the spiritual realm for the church is the power of positive. And man, those, those words of encouragement that were sent out today were powerful because they communicate a life that's driven by the Spirit. You see, the sacrifices that those talk about are so important. And that's where we began four years ago. And then notice, we, take, we took a look at the second law of momentum, the power of sincerity. And remember, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5? See, the goal of our instruction, and it should be that for all, every one of us, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And notice in Romans in chapter 12 and verse 9, if you were to turn there, it says, love should be without hypocrisy. Love should be genuine and real. No strings attached. Jesus didn't die on the cross with a string attached. He said, you know, it's your choice. You can love me or not, but I love you no matter what. Now, I've been challenged by many people that say that God's love is conditional. He does not make you love him. He does not make you toe the line. You can do whatever you want, but it's the law of the harvest. He loved you and he laid his life down for you and he's given it all for you. When someone in your life does that, there should be, even in the hardest of human hearts, a response of appreciation and love back. But we make a choice each day. My prayer is that your love would be genuine. You love people because they are worthy because they're created in the image of God. No matter how awful, they've gone astray for whatever reason, but you can still love them. Why? It's because they were created in the image of God, unique and distinct with a personality that's individual and priceless. That's hard to grasp our little pea brain human brains around, but that's the kind of love God has for you. And even if you fall short, he's still there for you. Amen? You can come back to him and ask for forgiveness and he'll forgive you. Amen? And so it's important for us to recognize that's the love he has for us and that's the kind of love we should have for each other. Now, notice here it says last year we talked about the power of presence. And I believe the devil hated that theme, the power of presence. Because two weeks into our year in preaching about the power of presence, we were told that we need to mask up and be socially distant. But you know what? That's not God's design. And God has protected this wonderful family. What a blessing. And now we have some new technology that's even better now. And so, so excited to be present with you. And I'm thankful for those who have joined us this morning online. 
And, and although you are not present physically, you are present cognitively. And so I'm so thankful for that. There are four levels of being present. And my prayer is that you would be present on all four levels. For those watching, they cannot be present in the physical realm. But they can be cognitive in, or they can be present in the cognitive realm. And they can be present in the emotional uh, realm in regards to interacting with people and their needs. But more importantly, most importantly, I pray that we'll all be morally present in Christ, manifesting his character. As was said, we are a letter, a letter written on human hearts so that people can see the very character of Christ. Amen? Powerful. And so now we're working on perseverance. No matter what comes in Christ Jesus, we are able to overcome. Now notice I said in Christ Jesus, we're able to persevere through. But we must possess the faith of Christ. And that was the first pillar, cornerstone of what we're talking about, perseverance, the faith of Christ. He powered through by faith. He knew that there was life beyond the grave, life beyond the cross. And he went there for you and I as our propitiation. Powerful love we saw there. Now, he powered through the cross, not just because of faith, but because of hope. He was absolutely sure that what was written about him in the Old Testament would come true because God promised it. The hope we have is built upon the promises of God. God has promised that if you would walk faithfully, loving him always, that he will continue to provide blessings in this life, a hundredfold blessing, along with persecution. All right, don't forget that one. That's why we need perseverance. And also too, life with him eternal. Now we've looked already at the faith of Christ for a little bit. We've already looked at the hope of Christ for a little bit. Now we're going to look at the love of Christ. So let's jump right in. Take a look at your first point. Love endures. God's love within us empowers us to endure all things. And so as you grab your little note sheet there, I hope that it's easy to read and understand. The word love there is agape. And I dug some more in regards to agape. Oh, that's God's love. It's his benevolent love. It's his love, no strings attached. That's true, but I want to give a couple other thoughts there as well. So if you want to finish that sentence with the first check mark, love is. Love is manifest in personal and oftentimes painful sacrifice for those whom we love. Love is manifest in personal and oftentimes painful sacrifice for the beloved. Look at 1 John once again. Let's go back to 1 John. Some of you might still be there like I am. 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 10. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. This proves the fact. This proves the fact that love is manifest by sacrifice. And you know, if you continue to study love, that's what it's going to come down to. Love manifests itself in sacrifice. What does it say there in verse 10? 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, many of you remember what propitiation means. If you were to owe $100 million and someone came up and said, man, that's a debt, that's a debt that's too overwhelming. Let me pay it for you. And he whips out and starts handing out $100 bills. 
And $100 million later, he says, no debt, debt paid in full, but, 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 but I didn't do anything. Well, now you have the choice. You can accept the gift or you can refuse the gift. I'll accept it, thank you very much. That's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and me when he died on the cross. He bore all of our sins in our body on the cross. He paid the full price. Now, did you receive it? Or did you say, no, I want to do it my way? You have that choice. There's no strings attached. He's not going to make you accept the gift. He desires that you would accept the gift. He gave the gift that you might have it. All you need to do is listen to his word and respond to that process by which you receive the gift. That's it. You're saying, well, that's, that's, that's an expectation. No, you choose it all the way along. Every step you choose, every thought, every word, every deed you choose, he's given that to you. He paid the price, though, so that you could get into heaven because there's no sin in heaven. Now, is that love? Is that sacrifice? Well, I think that confirms the first point. Love is sacrifice personally and oftentimes painfully for those whom you love. Now, someone might say, well, I don't love this guy, so... I don't, I don't need to sacrifice anything for him. Well, you could do that, but that's not loving Jesus. That's not loving Jesus because Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. You see, I love this, this topic of love. We've worked five years on this topic. Three years, the first time we studied love, believe it or not. Two years, when we went back and cleaned up some of the things I missed, but you know what? There's still more I'm discovering. It's not going to be several years. We're just going to do a few more lessons on love, but who knows? We might have to do another three years down the road. So, beautiful. Love is manifest in personal and oftentimes personal, painful sacrifice for those we love. Look at the second check mark. Love can. Love can only be known by and from the actions it prompts. Love can only be known by the actions it prompts. In other words, love can only be known by the actions that it motivates. If I'm angry and I scream and yell at you, and you're just a jerk and I can't stand you, well, that wasn't motivated by love. That was motivated by a selfish desire to hurt you. So it's important for us to recognize that love is manifest by our actions. Because I went to de define the word love, Looking up the Greek, looking up, and it means to love. Okay, love means to love. Thank you very much, Thayers, for telling me what I already knew. Okay, what does that actually mean? The scriptures then defines love for us, thankfully. But there's another part to this little check mark. Love can only be known by or from the actions it prompts. Love is the exercise of the will. Get a load of this. Are you ready? I love this one. Love is the exercise of the will in deliberate choice to serve the needs of others. Love is the exercise of your will to deliberately serve the needs of others. And that word serve means you're serving someone else. That's why it says, husbands, love your wives, wives even as Christ loved the church, and he laid down his life for her. Christ chose to serve and continues to serve. That's why it says, wives, submit to your husbands. 
as, as unto the Lord. Again, a choice to serve. So husbands are to serve their wives. Wives are to serve their husbands. Children are to serve their parents. And together they're to serve the Lord. Amen? So the family should be a place of love, willing sacrifice of self for those around us. Finally, love is not. Love is not. Oh, by the way, I got to give you a Bible verse for that second check. First uh, John chapter three. We're in first John. Let's just turn a page. Go back, you know, just a little bit to John chapter first uh, John chapter three. And you know this one verse 16, 17, 18. I love it. Look at it. It's so evident. What does it say there? We know love by this. Maybe I should find it so I don't quote it wrongly. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? What's the answer? It doesn't. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. That nails that one right there. Love is a volitional choice that you determine to serve somebody else's need. That makes you a servant. It should be a servant of all if you're going to be a great leader like Jesus. Well, the last check mark there is uh, uh, love does not or love is not self-willed. Love's not self-willed. Love does not do its own thing to please itself. In fact, a self-willed behavior negates, which means destroys the example of Jesus' love. Now, how many know this truth? It's a very sad truth. How many know that you can love people sacrificially and love people sacrificially and love people sacrificially and man, you're just doing it great and you're a man of integrity, a woman of virtue and then all of a sudden, man, the devil zings you and you just lose it. You just go, rah! And you just chew on their ear and you just rip apart and then you get all done and if you're a Christian with the Holy Spirit in you, you feel like a dirtbag. You should. But guess what you did? You rocked that relationship, didn't you? Didn't you? You rocked that relationship. You might have weakened it a little bit. Now, if you do that consistently for a while, all of a sudden the love that had been built up over sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice is going to go away. You have to be careful, Christian. Be careful, Christian, because the love of God in you is manifest by your deliberate choices. So your deliberate choices are manifest. Whether they're good or evil, they're manifest in your words and your deeds. Be so careful to manifest the love of God. Now finally, we want to define endure here. Uh, love endures all things. Well, the word endure there is, and you have it right in your note sheets. Look at that. It's two words. Hupo meno. Hupo meno. That's this two Greek words that, that smash together. Now, what does hupo mean? Hupo means to place oneself under. To remain under. Not to be moved under. That's what it means. Meno, what does that mean? I better look at my notes. I don't want to mess this one up. It means to endure under. So you place yourself under in a tough situation and you endure. You place yourself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
Can I ask anybody here, just, just raise your hand if you know the answer. Jesus placed himself under the authority of God. And what did it get him? Dead. You're saying, well, I don't know if I want to place myself under God then. He placed himself as my son, Jake said, he placed himself under the will of God that the will of God might be accomplished. I'm glad it got him dead. You're saying you're a sicko. No, you know why I'm glad? Because if he wouldn't have died, he would not have borne my sin in his body. And I would still be in my sin. And I would be an absolute mess of a man. And I have to be honest with you. If Christ were not my hope, then I would not be here. But Christ is my hope. So it's important for us to recognize that this endurance is placing yourself under the will of God to serve him no matter what happens and what comes. Because you know what the scripture says? All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I'm quoting the scripture. So if they did it to Jesus, they may do it to us. Are you mentally? Are you emotionally? Are you motivatively? What's the word I'm supposed to use there? Existentially. Whatever that word means. I learned it last Monday and I forgot it already. It means with all my being, I am going to endure for Christ's sake. We'll talk later about what that word means. All right, so. Now, I know what it means. I just forgot. I'm embarrassed. I'm really red now. But I have deferred to the one who knows that word. All right, so what is the, what is the check mark there for endure? What is the, to endure? What does that mean, to endure? To endure or persevere. To abide under or to bear up courageously under suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. To abide under, to bear up courageously under suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to spend a lot of time working through 1 Peter. You know how many times the word suffering for Christ is found in there? 16 times. And it's a little dinko book. It's not very long. And in every chapter, it talks about suffering for the name of Christ Jesus. Not for suffering as being a sinner or a dirtbag, but suffering as a Christian. And we're going to see the power of endurance when we stand up for King Jesus. Now let's close with Jesus' example. Look at point number two on the back. We'll do this rather quickly. Jesus gives us a great example. In fact, look at Hebrews 12. We've done, we've done this verse before. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. You know, we have great examples of people enduring great hostility, great suffering, powerful examples. But they were followers of God. They're all followers of God. They walked by faith as they saw and heard God's word. Let's read it right here. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, those who make testimony that we can live for Jesus no matter what, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside, just as they did, lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the life, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith 
Picture Jesus, see how he did it. Who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 3 again. Look at verse 3. We have an obligation to listen to and respond to verse 3. Verse 3. For consider Jesus Christ who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that so that something will happen. You and I will not grow weary and lose heart. You and I will remain faithful. You and I will power through just like Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He did it. And so can we. So can we. Because who lives in you? Who lives in you? Christ lives in you. By his power, we are able. Look at the next verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is, I think, uh, Jeff's, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff E.D. I think this is one of his favorite passages of scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's one of mine as well, as most all of them are. Uh, I always get called on that one, so there you go. I said it myself. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Powerful passage. If you're going to memorize a passage, this is a good one to memorize. This is a good one to memorize. Just, just saying. This is a good one to memorize. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, Jesus died for all, therefore all died. All who are in Christ have died, died to this world, died to sin. And he died for all so that, there's that word, so that they who live through him might no longer live for themselves. That's selfishness. That's not love. But for him who died and rose again on their behalf. The love of God controls us so that we live for him and not for ourselves. Now, you've heard Jeff preach this before, and I really appreciate it when he does this. He has said, rightfully so, because it's in the Greek, the love of Christ controls us. That word control has two meanings. It means that we have self-control in keeping ourselves from selfish behavior. We keep ourselves from lashing out selfish. And we put that to death. But it also means not self-control, but also that we'd be compelled. Another word would be propelled to do the love of God. So that's a beautiful passage. The love of Christ is that which motivates us to keep ourselves from acting selfishly, but to propel us to do the right thing. And so the love of Christ is really foundational for us to remain faithful, steadfast, persevering, no matter what. Now, you know, I've struggled in the past with that. Some of you may well know. And I struggle a little bit, but I've gotten a lot better. By the grace of God, I've gotten better. Just as I've seen so many of you grow. We've grown together. We've been gentle and patient and kind with one another as we grow. And this body is growing and it's awesome. Do you see the love of Christ really does help us to grow and be strong to persevere. But let me close with this one last scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, Kirk Parks, by the way, is going through 2 Timothy uh, by way of expository preaching. And I would really encourage you, if you haven't built the habit of coming out on, on Sunday nights, if you could do that, you are going to be blessed. And I can say that confidently. Here's why. It's for all the kind of preaching you've hear, heard hear me preach, you've heard me preach. I wish I were a better English speaker. Anyway, all of the lessons you've heard me preach, Kirk is able to, to go deeper into the scriptures and get things that are obviously there that I have obviously missed. And I am like every Sunday night, in the last four Sunday nights he's been preaching, like, how did you get that? It's there. It's like in black and white neon. It's right there. <laughs> now that might be a reflection on my inability to understand fully what's being said. But man, it's awesome. Kirk is doing a great job. So that's a little advertisement for Kirk Parks and, and Sunday night. Uh, he's, and he's just gotten started. So we're, we're really ramping it up. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and take a look there at verse 8, 9, and 10. Remember Jesus Christ. That's a great statement. Remember Jesus Christ. Think of him. He was risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, the great and glorious gospel I preached to you, for which, for this great news, I suffered hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned for this reason. Because Jesus died for me, that's the great gospel. Because Jesus died for me, because he loved me with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength and gave himself for me. That's really the gospel message. What does Paul say? He says there, for this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they, those who are chosen, also may attain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal life. Now let me finish with the lesson with this. Who's the chosen? How do you know who the chosen are? Some might say, well, the chosen are those who have obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, who have had their sins washed away and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can say, amen. Those are ones who've recognized they were chosen and they accepted that very special gift of having their debt fully paid for. But there are some people who've never heard the good news that their debt was paid for. And they're too chosen. In fact, all people are invited. But it's only those who understand the gift given and they receive it are the ones who are chosen. And who's supposed to invite them to the wedding feast? We are through the gospel, the good news. And so how many of us have walked by people, you know, and looked at them from a physical standpoint. Oh, that guy's pretty handsome. That guy is God. Rather than, I wonder if they're Christians. I wonder if they've heard the gospel plan. I wonder if they've ever been invited to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their king, as their loving master, I wonder. You know, we need to love everybody. Because we don't know who the chosen are. Oh yes, if they've been immersed into Christ, 
Sins washed away, filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's true. But what about those who have not been? How do you know? You know that lady in the checkout stand? Treat her very nicely. Get to know her name. Go through her checkout stand if she's there consistently for an express purpose of maybe someday you'll get to invite her. That's what I do. That's what Jesus did. It doesn't take only but that much to develop a relationship with someone. You got her name? I've noticed that some people, when they look at my check or my credit card, hey, William. Well, actually, it's Bill. <laughs> and then they start saying Bill. And then there's a relationship established. And then someday, someday, you might have an opportunity to share with them from the scriptures the invitation because you have opened the door to the life of Christ as you've lived for him. Amen? That's how it works. That's how God planned it. And we are then what? We are ambassadors, right? We beg you on behalf of Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God. That's Well, we don't do that the first time we meet him. My name is, my name is Bill. I beg you. Don't do that. That's weird. <laughs> I've seen some preachers do that. And I was kind of going, okay. <laughs> so a little bit much, okay? You're trying to have somebody drink out of a fire hydrant rather than a garden hose, okay? So it's powerful. This, this love, it gives us the power to endure and persevere so others may be saved. Amen? Amen? All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you so much, Lord, for the blessing of being family. Thank you so much, Lord, for your spirit within who gives us the power, dear Heavenly Father, to love as your Son, Jesus Christ, loved. And, and Jesus, even on the cross, said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. He was pleading with you that you might not condemn them for the sin that they had committed against him. Father, we need to be those kinds of people. We need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to love even our enemies as Jesus calls us to do. Father, I ask that you would help us to understand these things to endure in the most difficult of times. Whether we experience them now or they may come later on. Father, I just pray, help us to grow, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's stand, let's stand. What did Jesus say to do? Jesus said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings, King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com Have a blessed week.